This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another week of the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. You may notice my voice sounds a little funny in this episode. We had a party with uh, Combo Curve and tracks and Bison Interest last night and lost my voice talking over the DJ. I actually had a DJ and a saxophone player playing together in unison. So a really awesome. unique combo, but it was just loud. And so yeah. I'm there for five hours just screaming my, uh, my lungs out. But today we got an awesome show with Prolytics. We got the founders, Mike and Blake. Guys, thank you for coming in today and doing this show. I'm glad I got the name of the company right. You know, it's spelled P-R-O-L-Y-T-X. Asked Mike, Blake, you weren't in here. Asked Mike, I said, hey, is it Prolytics? Am I pronouncing that properly? And he said, sometimes you get like, you know, Prolite, Prolytics probably. So yep. Prolytics, what is it? Tell me, tell me real quick, like high level. Well, at a high level, you know, I've, I've been listening to some of these podcasts you've got going on, and a lot of that's from the field side, and it's the the upstream out there in the in the in the wild part of the industry. We're sort of on the other side of that, the major engineering companies, and how that when you when you build that big facility and it goes back to the owner operator, we fit in right there to make the transition from that major project world into what an owner's trying to do when they run the facility. So we we call it engineering IT. It's okay. this middle ground of taking all the technology of the 3D modeling and the databases and everything that drives the, the project world and transferring that over into running the plant and the okay. digital twin of the plant for the life cycle. Okay, I'm going to have a lot of questions because I don't come from that world as much. And so... Just for clarity, are y'all really serving engineering firms or is it new or companies that are taking over new assets? You know, who is the end user? Mostly owner operators. Okay. Like like Exxon, Chevron. Okay. Those type of companies. Okay. That's what we're serving. So we we do serve a little bit on the engineering side, uh, engineering company side, but but 95% of our clients are owners. Okay. Got you. So plants, refineries. Yeah. Let's dive into y'all's backgrounds because before we talk, before we get into prolytics more, I want to understand how y'all got to uh, creating a solution, what the problem was, how Mm -hmm. y'all saw that problem, what your backgrounds were. Uh, Blake, you want to start with your background and Uh, what you did up to Uh, this point? So I have a little bit of an awkward, I guess, type of background. I started out as an instrument tech in the field. Yeah. Uh, turning turning wrenches in the plants. It's not an awkward. It's not an awkward. <laughs> I started off as a roughneck on drilling rigs, uh, man. Come on. Got, <laughs> got, into, uh, in field. got into control system engineering and, and instrument engineering and design. Uh, so started working at like the engineering type firms. Yeah. Uh, for I did that for a number of years. Got into a group. I worked with Mike for a while. It uh, Mustang. We shared an office. So our inter- <laughs> our introduction was sharing an office. Uh they like said we weren't together. I said, yeah, we shared an office. <laughs> <laughs> uh, worked, worked in that group, Global Engineering and Design Systems. Spent some time overseas uh, on a few projects, uh, living over in Asia. 
for a number of years. Uh, mainly, mainly That's pretty in cool. that. We're at in Asia, Singapore. Nice. So I lived yeah. in Singapore for about three and a half, four years. I was always so jealous. People at my uh, company got to go spend time in Singapore, and I never got to go. Oh, it's it's a nice place. Oh, yeah. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Super expensive. Yeah. Um, we'll have to dive into that a little bit, <laughs> a little bit later. Uh, but I've heard it's amazing. So yeah, I, I over there, what I was mainly doing is exactly what Mike was talking about earlier. I was I was taking a major capital project that was being completed and I was integrating all of the data and systems into the owner's environment. Okay. And that's kind of where the idea for Prolytics came from. Okay. Is is I saw that the engineering companies over there or engineering companies in general have this knowledge of how to use these type of systems, how to use the data, how to get value out of it. But the owners, once it got turned over to them, they didn't have the resources. They didn't have the knowledge or the experience. And I, I felt like the, that they own the data, right? So they should have more control over how it's being produced. So the owner didn't have the <clears throat> internal knowledge yeah. or resources or maybe even bandwidth That's to right. really make sense of the That's data right. that they had. Over here, you had the engineering firms that, you know, they study this stuff day in, day out. They understood yep. it, but the owner is actually the one that owns the data so there's kind of this yep mismatch of yeah when you're in the project you've got these sophisticated systems to build a major project database driven mm -hmm. systems the epcs were early in adopting those and using them for their workflow so they could generate billion dollar projects but then when it got handed over to the operations team it was more about running the plant so the the digital blueprint everything that was used to build it sort of fell in the cracks. It all got transferred into more document-centric type stuff. So you lost the sophistication. Mm. And then owners are starting to realize about 10 or 15 years ago, hey, wait a minute. Like We had millions of dollars worth of knowledge in these smart systems, smart drawings, smart P&ID, smart 3D model, and we're not using it. It's all going into a document okay, control so I system. Think I, I think I'm starting to see where the problem was. So are you saying that, you know, engineering firms were building these smart models, you know, we call them digital twins or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call them. And then once it was getting transferred over to the owner operator, they're actually getting flattened, you know, just yeah, they're like, hey, I don't PDF yeah. docs or like AutoGAD oh, yeah. or whatever. Give me a bunch of Excel, right? And so they're yeah. taking it out of these major SQL and Oracle databases and they're just dumping it into PDFs. what we call dumb files. Yeah. And then what happens is you focus on operations for a year or two, right? You get, and then you realize, oh shit, we're not keeping up with our. <laughs> we lost the sophistication. Yeah. We can't query anything. We we've, we've lost what's the master drawing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. those systems have all those capabilities. Yeah. So we're here to bring that intelligence over, bridge the gap between yeah. those two worlds. Understood. So you know these these owner operators spend all of this money up front with these engineering firms and you get all of this information and this data and these models and then it just kind of goes into this abyss right into this black hole and then yeah. years into the project of operating it they realize like hey we invested and we had all this we had some great yeah. stuff yeah where did it go you had a great there, foundation there's two problems there right so one one of those problems is and it's just the nature of of EPCs, right? They're project focused, right? So once they finish a project, 
they're done. They're gone. They're yeah. out the door. Put it on so a CD or so they, whatever. They throw it over to the owner. Real quick, let me stop you. Yeah. Acronym EPC, what does that stand for? Engineering Procurement Contract. Cool. Uh, so once they're done, they, they're out the door. They're gone, right? And they just throw it over to the owner, and they're like, well, here you go. We did it. Plants built. We're gone. <laughs> yeah. Right? On to the next one. And then the owner's sitting there like, well, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Right? Like, I got this pile. It's funny because you kind of see that across the spectrum in oil and gas. Like, I always saw the very old problem in upstream oil and gas where your drilling guys would drill a well, and they didn't give two shits about That's right. production guys. And so production guys are dealing with problems, you know, years down the road. Yep. And there was no communication between drilling completions and production. It was one department doing their job and then they pass it off and then move on to the next thing. And so we were on those projects and we were doing the best job we could do. And, and we thought it was amazing. And when we were done, (laughs) we handed it over and we were like, dude, we nailed this one. It's unbelievable. But, but then, like you say, we go to the next project. We don't even know that you, you know, the receiver of that isn't ready to receive it. Like it's an yeah. unknown problem. There's no, it's not like a nefarious situation or anything like, oh, no, we're it's trying not, to win no, one it's not, over. No, it's not malicious. No, yeah. like you did your job, you knocked it out of the park, and then there's just this, there's this gap, right? That That's right. Doesn't, that and you, you give it to people with different priorities, so they turn their priorities to running the plant, putting, mm-hmm. putting the feed through the plant. Yeah. And then at some point they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Where did all that and, great stuff go? Yeah. And, and so the, Can we get it back? Yeah. The value there is in we go in and help those those owners utilize that information and actually get value. So set up their systems, utilize the data, integrate it into their workflows, right? Yeah. Uh, into their environments for that digital twin effort. The other issue there is is there's multiple EPCs, right? So you have like a, a Whirly Parsons and a Fleur and a, a Bechtel and a KBR. They do it differently. Like each one does it their own kind of They have of their, own, way. their own process, yeah. So so like the project I was on uh, over in Singapore, it had, it had four different main EPCs, uh, uh, six different subcontractors. But the, the problem there is, is the data that you're receiving is like, different flavor like it's the same thing but it's a different flavor of the same thing yeah right yeah and so what you want to do is is an owner and what we help them facilitate is hey we'll set up those systems we'll get it integrated in your environment and then when the next project comes along those epcs work in that environment and so at the end of the project you get back your flavor yeah right? Yeah. And your way of doing things, not their way of doing things. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, the Mustangs of the world, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, Whirly, um, uh, those, so those types of, what e- brought you to Mustang? Because y'all worked at okay, Mustang, okay, right? Okay. I wasn't sure right. if you said that. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was, was like, a wild coincidence. <laughs> that Mustang, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to understand those companies a little bit more okay. and what they do. Um, so that I can have broad, greater context of to what you guys are actually doing. So a company like Mustang, um, is it a pure engineering firm that works on, you know, downstream, uh, facilities and, you know, Exxon comes and says, Hey, we need to build, you know, um, this project at a refinery in Mustang. I mean, turnkey 
does that? Yeah, okay. it could be upstream or downstream or midstream. I mean, these engineering companies, you know, hey, we've got a well, we've we've got a new field that we want to produce. So like like Mustang did, the major offshore platforms, you know, the big BP Thunder Horse yeah. in Atlanta. It's like those big things. Yeah. And that's from concept all the way to production, right? Yeah. Or it could be a new chemical plant or a new, you know, they don't build new refineries anymore. It could be a yeah. could be a revamp of a refinery. Yeah. But that's right. Those those yeah. those companies. You're talking about you've got a civil engineering team that's building the structure. You've got an instrument team that's doing all the the low voltage wiring. You've got electrical engineering and design. You've got process engineers. All of that's coming together in these various, like this digital twin, like you said, yeah. it all comes together. Yeah. And and they're just trying to do the best they can. So they set their own standards. They they adopt tools that that sort of allow them to plug and play people. So you're talking about yeah. hundreds of people on a project team all using, you know, a you know, a handful of tools. Yeah. They type in all their work, they do all the cool stuff. Yeah. And what what's happening is they're they're sort of migrating to the same type of tools. They're they're either like from a hexagon software provider or a Viva. There's some of those big names that are out there. So they're using these big tools, but they're using them, they're setting them up differently. Yeah. And so even even if you're like a Chevron or somebody and you have five major projects going on in the world, they're all using the same thing, but they're doing it differently. Yeah, so that, when you when you get that handover, it doesn't all look the same. It mm. doesn't work the same. And when you try to build a corporate plan around that, you're like, oh, man, my analytics aren't quite the same. My my yeah. digital twins feel different and I'm losing value, losing value. We need to set the tone. Yeah. So for the EPCs, you know. Very complex operations. They have hundreds of engineers, consultants mm -hmm. working on a project. They use different softwares, um, but they all may be using the same soft, you know, the core software across the different EPCs, but different workflows that they're using and then different outputs. And so if I'm Chevron and, you know, this wouldn't happen, but just say that I had three EPCs all build me the same exact uh, facility their output, their deliverable may all be in a different format That's or a different version. And so to y'all's point, you know, if you're an operator and you're working with five different EPCs across different types of assets, none of it's standardized. And That's so right. it becomes a problem from the operator's perspective. Is that That's right. a fair? Yeah. That's right. And the, okay. the old school solution to that is to start writing standards. Oh, well, let me put it in a document. This is exactly what I want. <laughs> Do you know how well that goes, right? It's like, yeah. Okay, we tried, but how can you explain everything you want someone to do? It's kind of tricky. So where that's actually moving toward is that's moving toward owner operators having a cloud where this this work is beginning to be done in those clouds mm -hmm. instead of even a, a you know allowing this sort of challenge to to continue. The the future trend is more the owner saying, okay, well. I'm going, I'm adopting these tools. I'm in, I'm yeah. putting my systems into place and these major capital projects or these follow on projects are actually going to be worked in that system. So there is no handover. Yeah. It's just you're from the gonna, beginning. You're going to build it in our instance, in our cloud. And that That's way, right. you know, there's not even a handover. Essentially it's just happening in their tech stack to begin with. Exactly. Right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. I think I have good clarity now on <laughs> that. That was awesome. I actually learned a lot right there. So, um, so let's talk about prolytics and how y'all actually fit into that. And so I know high level what the solution is, but let's pretend like I'm 
an Exxon of the world and I'm building a upstream facility or whatever it is, how does Prolytics uh, fit into that workflow? Well, we help in from all the way from making a plan as to what your goals are, putting that system into place, getting the information, you know, in training people and providing support and kind of coaching. We like to use the word coaching. So, you know, it's not just a one or zero type situation. Yes, no. Like it's, it's, there's, 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 there's a, a level of quality or a variation of quality in terms of how well you make these adoptions how well you support the use of it throughout. And so we're, we're kind of a, a coach through that whole process, a consulting coach. Yeah. Now, I mean, we have, we have an aspect of our company, which is hosting data. Yeah. And, and because in time, in some situations, that's the right solution is to, to have a third party like us be a host. And then we have some software that we, that we write and we have some, some, genius work that that happens but it's in some of our niche areas yeah and so when there's a need you know we can fill it i mean you you've you've had recent podcasts i think like mi4 or, yeah. or docmo where they've they've done a lot of services but at some point it becomes a product part yeah. portions of it right yeah and so for us we're a combo there too like yeah we're still trying to figure out exactly what the right recipe well, I mean, is it's funny when you start offering services you start seeing the the problems and the solutions that can be productized right well and yeah develop products around those so. and, and i think one of your one of the the guys said services are hard like you you eat what you kill <laughs> yeah they are yeah <laughs> like yeah. that's a tough that's a tough deal so yeah. if, if you can package a certain you know advantage or solution along the way that's that's certainly a, a benefit and and yeah. we, we've had some success doing that awesome that's really cool so are y'all based you're based here in uh offices in houston right is that, is that i was six and i ten okay cool um you know, you got to live all the, all over the world in Singapore. Are you from Texas originally? I am or? from Texas. Midland. Okay. You're from Midland? Mm-hmm. Oh, Midland, cool. Odessa area. Yeah, I'm from Midland too. So <laughs> what school did you go to? Greenwood? Yeah. Okay. I went to Lee. Did you really? Yeah, I graduated in 2008. Yeah. So okay. yeah, that's funny. What about you? Uh, I'm from a little town, uh, Weimar, just an uh, about an hour west of here. Yeah. And um, unlike Blake, I went more the traditional route. High school, college, work. Yeah. That was it. I mean, I, I in a, just a little triangle. I went from from Weimar up to A and M. Had a great experience there. I'm assuming you went for engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, and uh, engineering, mechanical engineering, technology. Actually, I saw myself as more of a practical. So that's a that's a degree that's focused on the practical side. You know, less of the imaginary numbers and 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 uh, type stuff, but. Um, and, and so, yeah, I went and got an engineering degree there at A&M, took a job at Mustang Engineering just down the street here. And then you had to share an office with Blake over here. Well, so, <laughs> so I started as a, as an, Sh- all, sure, my cra- all, all my crazy oh, yeah. stuff. That's right. yeah. I started as an automation engineer, like PLC programming yeah. and, and control systems. Yeah. And I actually went offshore, Gulf okay. of Mexico. Like that was the first thing I dove into was upstream offshore oil and gas, which is a whole different world. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a wild place. Um, that I didn't know anything about, but seeing it was amazing, Yeah, you know, and the, the autonomousness of those facilities out there. And so I was in automation and controls, but what we were doing was programming the motors and the valves and the transmitters, everything that ran a plant. Yeah. 
the cool part was I had some some awesome guys in the office that showed us how to use code to mm-hmm. generate our work. So like if you're going to do a thousand motors, you don't want to literally program them one by one. You'll you'll make mistakes, right? So we would put it all into little uh, Microsoft you know, Access and and a little bit of SQL, and then we'd write code to generate all of the all of the logic and uh, all of the work we were doing. And I was like, well, I enjoy that part more than I enjoy being the programmer in the field. Like the idea of doing the cool efficiency type stuff and working with the data. I, I always, so my dad was a guy that worked with his hands. He worked yeah. in a panel shop and it still does. And, and so I always like, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of the people, right? I'm, a, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be a computer guy, yeah. but I found out that I kind of like being a computer guy. Yeah, so. no, I am a computer guy. <laughs> had that realization. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I had that realization. And so what happened was when the the company in 2007-ish, they sent out this message and they're like, hey, we're building this group we call the systems group, engineering design systems. And we're bringing together the the wizard from the piping group and the wizard from the electrical group and the wizard from the instrument group. We're going to bring them all together and we're sitting them in a, in a in a part of the office and they're all going to learn how to be wizards together. And I was like, damn, I think I fit in that group. That sounds kind of <laughs> cool. And so I, I messaged the the new manager and he was like, well, that sounds like a good deal. You could be employee number one of, of my group. And I was like, <laughs> deal, I'll do it. So I switched from automation. And the bad thing about being an automation engineer is that you're valuable in the field, yeah. right? Like troubleshooting the motor. Yeah. Like starting up a plant. I was like, I got a young family. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think that me traveling the world being, you know, an offshore oil rigs, I mean, while the helicopter rides are interesting and everything, that's not my jam forever. Right. Yeah. And so I switched over. That's when we shared an office, worked together for a long time. And uh and then the idea was, you know, Blake came, kind of traveled the world. And actually saw what the owner was experiencing. I was back in the office still doing my thing. Yeah. And then he came back and he said, hey, let's let's turn this. I think I'm going to turn this into something. And yeah. so what we are is that that group of wizards that I talked about. It's that group on the street corner. Yeah. Just available for hire. Yeah. You need that coaching, analysis, programming, solution, architecture. We do all of that. I love that. Um uh- so Blake, you didn't go to you didn't go to college. You just went in in the field. And uh, so out. I went to college and then I left college. Yeah, <laughs> and then I I got a, eventually got an associate's degree. That's more college than I have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I eventually got an associate's degree in instrumentation. Okay, and then uh, in like three no ten years ago now. Oh man, uh, when I went to Singapore, I actually. I have to do something. So every year I I teach myself to do something different. Like I love welding, yeah. robotics, whatever. Yeah. And and most of the stuff that I would teach myself is like with my hands. So I work on cars or or motorcycles or race cars, yeah. or whatever. But when I went to Singapore, it's a city, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a garage, I didn't have anything. So I actually It's a high density city too, I'm sure. It, so it is yeah. super high density. <laughs> so uh I went back to school over there. Oh, cool. Uh, to a, a, U, a school out of the UK, and I got a uh, industrial engineering degree. Very while cool. I was over there. Very cool. So, yeah, that's. Uh, I love hearing that, like continuously learning and evolving. I think it's yeah. really important to have intention to learn new things. Um, and you know, people like you and engineers just all together are tinkers and, and builders. Yeah. And so, 
you know, guy that I got on our team, great guy, John, he's a, a frack engineer and, you know, he's a computer guy and, but he's also been out on frack jobs and yep. just build shit and, you know, <laughs> internally, like he built some really cool shit. Like, you know, we have chat GPT integrated into our Slack channel. And so we That's just talked awesome. to chat. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> that's just something, you know, he just built and coded up as, as a hobby. So, yeah. uh, no, that's, we're, that's, we're working on some AI stuff right now to, to help us do some of that data analysis, data, data integration and migration. Yeah. Uh, stuff. I mean, so it's, that's, it's, that's going to be huge for, um, any form of consulting engineering work. You know, oh, you're man. seeing it in software development. Yep. Uh, Stack Overflow's traffic's down 12% since yep. ChatGPT came out, oh. which is pretty wild because yeah. programmers are just going straight to ChatGPT and you don't have to sit How through. would I write this loop or something? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, yeah, pretty wild times uh, to be building because there's so much technology it's, off the shelf. that It's come a long way in the last six months or so. Yeah. So, so we've been looking at it. For about two years and we tried some stuff out two years ago and it wasn't wasn't super great yeah. at that time but but we didn't give up right so we've been we've been monitoring and looking at it, and i would say in the last like six months it's like advanced significantly That's, um i mean you uh, look at gpt you know i've been following gpt for a while now and yeah. first things i saw were built on gpt2 and where yep. we're at from that point and it's, now we're going with gpt4 it's crazy but like you you know i was always so into like no code and no code platforms like bubble and i've been yeah. watching them for years and then at a certain point i was like okay this technology is good enough now where you can actually use it you could use to it. build things so yeah. yeah it's advancing quickly it's awesome yeah you brought up uh, we've been talking about something too which is the buzzword has been machine learning and ai i think you had a podcast about pipeline monitoring or something a, a few months ago oh yeah and they and they basically called out the a whole industry with this hey a lot of that's been fluff, right? It's been, we're going to use these words, but there's not anything behind them. Yeah. And we, we've been asking that question too. You see AI, like the Boston Dynamics stuff, and you see the self-driving Teslas, and you're like, oh yeah, that's amazing. But how come our office can't get more value out of all this technology, right? Yeah. All, you know, organizing files and gathering data. Like I realize we're doing AI to go to the moon, but can we do AI to like do some spreadsheets? Oh, there's some here? very low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah. And it's like, we that recorded stuff. a whole podcast yesterday with uh, a bunch of mineral funds and Apache and we're talking about land and the things that people are starting to use GPT for in land. And we're not far away from AI being able to run full chain title on on that's crazy oh, researching land. yeah land it's, history. it's that's crazy. crazy and so yeah i mean you get to the point where you're like okay hey we can take all this um you know this the small task and it makes us as humans more efficient so we can focus on you know the the bigger things and so well, yeah, going to the moon self-driving cars all cool shit but <laughs> <laughs> yeah how about some spreadsheets yeah. uh the we didn't we talked mostly about new engineering earlier but a lot of what we do is go into a plant that was built 50 years ago and they're like hey hey we're not new but we need some of that new stuff so how do we how do we take our plant which is sitting here rusting and collecting dust it's still generating product and revenue and we still need a twin so we do a lot of work with with companies that are just looking to modernize the data that they've got not yeah. not upgrade their actual control systems or their equipment, 
just modernize their workflows and their systems. Yeah. So that's where we're looking at AI too and trying to use that Let me, um, to build that. So before we wrap this podcast up, I want to talk about the whole digital twin thing because that was another kind of like buzzword that it kind of got like buzzword status in the industry and everyone was talking <laughs> about digital twins in you know, 2018. Everybody talks about digital twins. Yeah, but they're super cool. Like, I mean, if you spend time around AR, VR, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's so funny. We have an Oculus at the house for the kids. And my wife, a couple of days ago, was, she put it on and she's, my kid had her playing this zombie game. And all of a sudden <laughs> she starts screaming and she starts running backwards and runs into a wall. I was like, that's the type of stuff you want to have on video. I didn't have the camera out. But uh, what's cool is, you know, we do lots of uh, large events and, we always plan our, our, we have maps on the wall. They're 2D maps and we're like, okay, here's the layout and it's cool, but you don't get a full sense of the user experience, like what it feels like to be in that moment. And mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to ask like, hey, they're making digital twins of like refineries. Why can't we make a digital twin of yeah. the venue and start having, you know, elements like, hey, we can put a tent here or a booth here. And so I started talking to some companies that do digital twins. And I mean, they're showing me like, yeah, like this one company just took a picture of a triplex pump from like Google image and reproduced it off that picture. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, this looks just like a triplex pump that I work on <laughs> out in the field. And so you start to see like, oh, wow, like, yeah, there's super cool use cases for this. And if you're managing some, you know, large facility and just being able to like see like, oh yeah, you know, there's a uh, four inch butterfly valve that's right there. And you know exactly the, the specs on the part, the number, um, you can see what you have. And so the technology is actually amazing. And I imagine going back and like mapping an old refinery has to be extremely uh, cumbersome to, to do that. But do y'all see like, is there a lot of action in that space and creating these digital twins or profiles of assets and are they being utilized uh pretty widespread or is it still just kind of buzzword oh no it's it's legit and it's it's the biggest thing going in the industry right now but there are multiple flavors of it so when you so first of all you went straight to the the 3d version yeah but there's a 2d element to that right i mean 3d is the cadillac because there you're you feel like a video game right so yeah. it's like everybody can relate to that um, but you you can do it off of off of two dimensional things if you need to. The, the the concept of the digital twin is more than just the three dimensional view and walking through it. But when you say get to the specs, you get to the document or the wiring or the thing. You dig into that object and see. Uh, so there's there are multiple levels of it. It and yeah. so. But you're also looking at there's the digital twin, which is operating, like what are the pressures and temperatures and flow rates and, and, and the maintenance work orders and everything day to day, like what's happening. And then there's the twin that we were talking about earlier, which is what were the schematics and the drawings and the blueprints for this thing. Yeah. And both of those guys are getting sort of melded together. And that's where it's got to come. They've got to all come together. Now, yeah. it's not an easy task. Yeah. But yeah, much easier. I mean, it makes perfect sense that that's all, you know, one source of truth there, but definitely easier said than done to I imagine to get to that point. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's the real world. Where are my people moving? What's where are my alarms? What's happening? And and then there's the design world of of how do we modify this facility to to, you know, de-bottleneck or make it better or things like that. Yeah. And both of those are a digital twin. So I think I think like any many of these buzzwords you can define it in 
multiple ways. There isn't one answer to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Understood. Yeah. I mean, life's not so simple and binary, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As is the case, I learn all the time. So, Prolytics, if someone is listening and they want to check you guys out and have a conversation, where can they find y'all on the internet? Uh, what's the URL? Can they find you on LinkedIn? Give me all the details. Uh, absolutely. Uh, website, prolytics.com, P R O L Y T X.com, LinkedIn. Uh, we have a Twitter and Facebook. I don't think we really use those all that much at the moment. Um, we're not sure if they're going to catch on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so I always tell everyone, I'm like, you don't have to be everything on, on all platforms. Focus on the one where all your customers are. Twitter's badass though. I always support Twitter. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, prolytics.com will drop a, uh, URL in the show notes so you can check them out or look up Mike and Blake on LinkedIn, reach out to them. I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll uh, catch you over there too. So guys, this was super interesting for me. I actually learned a lot about y'all's part of the industry and that world and uh, just a place that I don't have a ton of exposure to. So that was uh, a great lesson for me and super excited about what you guys are doing and the solutions that you're building. And so I'm sure y'all probably have a busy week uh, with Nape in town, probably running around talking to a lot of people. I'm going to try to recover and get my voice back, but I got <laughs> two more podcasts today, so I'm going to keep beating me down. But guys, if y'all liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Leave us five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple, and we will catch y'all on the next episode. Cut, 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 cut.